0: think that it is uh, God's care and kindness um, that, that, um, that uh, I'm, not that I'm here to preach to you, but that, uh, that um, it was put in place for someone to be here. So uh, I'm, I'm glad to be able to be here. Uh, I hope that you all had a special and meaningful Christmas yesterday and that you experienced the nearness of Jesus in your time of celebration. Uh, Before I get started, I want to tell you what a blessing Miller Heights is to me and my family. We've had the joy of being here a little over a year now, and have been so encouraged by how the Lord has blessed us through the preaching of God's word, the joy of fellowshipping with you through the Sunday morning classes and worship service, our Wednesday night gatherings, the youth meetings, and our small group. We've also been blessed by and extremely thankful for the leadership of Justin, Ken Landon and Justin Garcia. It is very comforting to know that our leadership is very intentional in how they shepherd and care for our souls. By God's loving grace and kindness, we are an extremely blessed church. The Lord has used uh, you you in many ways to be a blessing to us through the various interactions that we've had with you. And we are thankful for each of you Uh, and a pre-message plug If you are not currently taking advantage of these offerings through Sunday school, through our Wednesday night classes, or uh, being involved in a small group, I want to strongly encourage you to do so, which in some ways ties in with the message this morning. Oh, come let us adore him. That is my goal this morning. I'm excited to get to preach uh, and serve you in a different role this morning than I normally do. And it's been suggested by some that I actually sing the message, but I'm not going to do that. Okay, Uh, so um, but obviously I'm I'm uh, in a different role this morning. So I ask that you would listen graciously as I've been preparing uh, for this. I've been reminded of a quote by Charles Spurgeon, where he said, Whitfield and Wesley might preach the gospel better than I do but they could not preach a better gospel. Justin and Landon may preach the gospel than I do, but they cannot preach a better gospel. And it is that gospel, the gospel of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that I want to be grounded in this morning. So would you please pray with me before I uh, before I preach? Uh, Father, thank you so much for your mercy and for your grace. Lord, we uh, we thank you for this time, this season, to be able to celebrate your coming to us. And Father, as we reflect upon the very reason why you came, Lord, we pray that you would just transform our hearts uh, through that, that we would see you more clearly um, through the proclamation of your word, and Father, that you would change and transform our hearts as only you can, Lord. Pray that you would just uh, help me to not see this as a performance, but to rest in you and to to, um, to just confess my need of you as well, Lord, and uh, that you would change our hearts and do only what you can do. And it is in your precious name that we pray. Thinking about and preparing for this message, I thought about our Christmas celebrations, how they can tend to be in, uh, we can tend to get enthralled with a baby in a manger and all the feelings and the emotions that go with the arrival of a new baby. There's excitement of a new life, the cuteness and cuddliness of a baby. I think of TJ and Jillian as they're getting to celebrate the arrival of Kelly and just all, of the, all the excitement that goes with that. But if we only see Jesus as this cute baby in a manger, then we're missing the bigger picture and lose sight of the very reason of why he came in the first place. So to help us think of that bigger picture, let's consider a couple of questions. So what is one thing? What is one of the few things that all of us gathered in this room right now are doing? What is one thing that every one of us is doing right now? If you answered breathing, you're correct because I hope that we're all breathing. <laughs> okay, very good, very good. Um, but what is something else? What is something that every one of this in this room is doing right now? What is it that we were created for? Okay, worship. Okay, so to help us answer the question of uh, that question, let's look at the Westminster Catechism, which asks, "What is man's primary purpose?" to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. You see, we were created to worship. As Paul Tripp has said, we are always worshiping. The question is who or what are we worshiping? Tripp also states regarding worship that it is a practical concern that touches everything we think, desire, say, and do. It reaches the deepest levels of human motivation. It sits at the epicenter of our spiritual struggles. It is one of the underlying causes of the most important battles of the heart. It exposes the deepest wishes of our souls. It is at the very heart of why we were created. It expresses God's will for everyone who has ever taken a breath. It is the great moral dividing line and it is the reason Jesus had to come. So in other words, Christmas is about worship. The Christmas story is a confrontation of our misplaced worship. With this in mind, I'm going to address the topic of worship this morning. Imagine that. Um, So the scripture scripture that I want to use to anchor us in God's word this morning is Romans 12, uh, verses 1 through 5. So if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. If you're here and you don't have a Bible, um, by all means use the, the Bibles that are in the pew back racks there, and that's going to be on page 947. So Romans nine, excuse me, Romans 12 verses one through five. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. In connection with this text, I'm going to use the phrase, O come, let us adore him. We've sung that many times this morning, um, and uh, we see that a lot during this season. O come, let us adore him. And so uh, we're going to see how we connect O come, let us adore him, how that connects with Romans 12 verse 1. So, O come. Paul just gave us the instructions to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Why? As your spiritual act of worship. So first, we must come, but what is it that we come to do? We come to worship and adore And Landon gave me a great quote. You see it up there. Um, So I want to give him uh, kudos to that uh, in helping me prepare. He he said, we cannot adore if we don't come. But the goal is not just coming. It is to adore. So thank you, Landon. Um, So we were created to worship, but we can only truly worship. How? By the mercies of God. So we come to worship. We come to adore by the mercies of God. Let us we see in Romans 12:1, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, plural, let us. OK, we also see this let let us motif addressed by Paul just a little further in the text in verses four through five, where he says, for as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one one to another. We need each other. I was greatly served, as I hope you were, by the series that we recently went through on why we gather. If you missed that series, I highly encourage you to listen to them. You can go back and you can find those links on our website. But in that series, we learned that we gather to glorify God. We glorified a feast on God's word proclaimed. We gather to celebrate the ordinances. We gather to pursue unity together because we need each other and as an appetizer for the final meal. Again, we need each other. God never attended us for us to be alone. Genesis 2, verse 18, God says it is not good that man should be alone. There's much that could be said about this, but that is not where the focus is this morning. Again, if you missed that series, Why We Gather, I encourage you to go back and listen to those messages. They will serve you well. So we've looked at and addressed. Oh, come present your bodies. Let us one body, many members. Now let's consider the word adore. Romans 12 1 ties are coming and our presenting of our bodies as living sacrifices, as act as an act of worship, our act of adoring. As we look at this verse, we have to be careful not to skip over an important word. What is the word? Therefore. I appeal to you, therefore. So anytime we see the word therefore in scripture, what question do we need to ask ourselves? What is it there for? Therefore. Okay, so to do this, we need to go back and look at what Paul was just talking about. So if we go back to the end of chapter 11 of Romans, we see that Paul is talking about in verse 25, not being wise in our own eyes. In verse 29, that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Is that encouraging news Uh, that we receive mercy in order to show mercy And then there's also this beautiful benediction that Paul gives us in verses 33 through 36. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given him a gift that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him, Are all things to him be glory forever? Amen. This benediction provides the fuel for our adoration and worship as we consider the depth of the riches and wisdom and the knowledge of God and the mercy in which we have received. You see, our theology, our study of God leads us to doxology, to praise of God. So, revelation response. This leads us to the hymn of, "O oh, come, let us adore him. So as we study God's word and he makes himself known to us through revelation, then our response should be praise, adoration, and all to the glory of God who has made himself known. We were created to worship and to glorify him. Oh, come, let us adore him the reason that Jesus came was to address our worship problem, then we must consider that something went wrong, okay? To help us work through this uh, through a door and hymn, uh, I'm going to use the meta-narrative or God's grand story of Scripture. Uh, this may be review for many of you, but this is something that um, I didn't learn till later in my Christian walk, and it has helped me so well, and I hope that it will serve you as well. So God's grand story is um, the storyline of the Bible broken down in, into four parts. Creation, fall, redemption, and glory. Um As we approach the scriptures, we have to keep in mind that it is one story contained in 66 different books, but it is one story. The story of our Trinitarian God as seen through the events of creation, fall, redemption, and glory. In fact, it's been very encouraging as we sang through the hymns today and the songs today, even hearing and seeing those themes played out, creation, fall, redemption, glory. As we celebrate the birth of our Savior this morning, how does... This grand storyline help us? Well, it helps us to better understand the importance of and magnitude of a baby being born in a manger, and even how we view him today. Colossians 1, verse 15 through 16. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible rather thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. So let's break this down creation, which we just saw that he is um, the image of all things. He created all things. Um, God created the world out of nothing and all that came to, into being God created. And all of this was good. He also created created man in his own image. And what was the reason that he created us to worship, to adore? And how did we do with that? Well, we've already been made aware that there was a problem and it only took us three chapters of the Bible to mess things up. So we see in the first three chapters of the entire Bible, what happened? What happened in chapter three of Genesis? The fall. Okay let's talk about the fall. The misaligned worship of Adam and Eve led to their disobedience of God. And the same is true for us. When our worship is misaligned, we are in sin. Because of sin, the relationship between God and man became broken and distorted. We became glory thieves. And as as a result of the fall, thankfully, God already had a plan to redeem his people. So we see throughout the Old Testament uh, this plan play out in many different areas. And um, as I was sharing with Sarah earlier today, that there's so much that could be said in regards to these things. This is just going to kind of be the cliff note version of it, if you will. Um, There's so much uh, in Scripture and we will never exhaust learning about this glorious plan. so it's important to keep in mind that the Old Testament is pointing us to a redeemer. There are three key roles that I want us to look at in, of God in the Old Testament that set the stage for our coming redeemer. And those are the roles of prophet, priest, and king. The prophet would speak to the people on behalf of God. Numerous prophets in the Old Testament. Vine's complete expository dictionary of Old and New Testament words defines prophet as a proclaimer of a divine message and the notes that the prophet was one upon whom the Spirit of God rested. So the prophet speaks to the people on behalf of God. The priest. The priest's role was to speak to God uh, for, for the people. So Hebrews 5, 1 tells us for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. The high priest was the mediator between God and the people. God would come in judgment because of the sins of the people and the high priest would stand in their place offering sacrifices uh, that satisfied God's justice and demonstrated his mercy by punishing an innocent animal in place of a guilty human being, King. This is another place in the Old Testament where things got really messy for the people of God. You see, in First Samuel chapter eight, we see the people approach Samuel the prophet to tell them that they that they wanted to they wanted Samuel to appoint a king for them to judge over them like all the other nations. God tells Samuel that this rejection is not of him as the prophet, but ultimately it's a rejection of who? It's a rejection of God as their king. And this is just another rejection of the true king for a fallen, sinful king. Like I said, there's a lot to be said about all those things, but it leads us to redemption. Thankfully, the story doesn't end there, and we see the fulfillment of the three roles in Jesus, our Redeemer, our great prophet, priest, and king. So Jesus, the prophet. Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 2 uh, says, Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he created the world. Jesus, being God in the flesh, spoke God's very words to the people. You have heard it said, but I say to you. Or again, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Um, That harkens back to the study that we just did, gentle and lowly. And I I don't know about you, but there were numerous times through that study where um, I just was compelled Inspired by what was being written and talked about, our Savior, uh, just to, to want to worship and to adore but Jesus, our Prophet, is also our great High Priest. First Timothy two five. For there is one God and there is one Mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Hebrews ten nineteen through twenty five. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Our great high priest, in fact, we hear the the draw near, oh, come, let us adore motive uh, in that passage as well. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Jesus, our King. Jesus is the king that reigns on David's throne forever. The one for whom Revelation nineteen sixteen speaks as the king of kings, the Lord of lords. The one to whom every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them say, To him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Oh come, let us adore him, Jesus, our great prophet, priest, and king. He is the one for whom we were created to worship and adore. So as we wrap up redemption of the grand storyline, let's look back at Romans 12, where Paul instructs us to present our bodies as living sacrifices. And how do we do that? By the mercies of God, so that they're holy and acceptable to God. So the only way that our offerings are holy and acceptable to God is by the mercies of God through our Redeemer, Jesus. The only way worship is redeemed is through Jesus. And the only way we are redeemed is through Jesus, the Redeemer. Glory. The culmination of the grand storyline is and will be glory. We still live in a fallen world. Uh, For those of us who are in Christ, we live in the already and not yet, something else that could be talked about uh, so much um, and is helpful to think about, the already and the not yet. Uh, We've already been redeemed, but we still struggle with the stain and effects of sin. There's coming a day when we will no longer be encumbered by sin and our worship will be pure. I will end the message with a picture of this, but before I do, I want to share with you a little little bit about why I feel creation, fall, redemption, and glory matter. Why does this matter? This matters because it helps us to know why we were created, creation. We were created to worship God. It reminds us that because of disobedience, sin entered the world in which we live. As we struggle with sin, we are reminded that God in his grace and mercy send us Redeemer, and that we will one day worship Him as we were originally created without sin, and to worship Him in all His glory. Oh, how I long for that day. All of this lays the foundation for which we come and adore Him. So if our theology leads us to doxology, then we must take into consideration uh, what it is that we are studying This ties into another role that we all have in our lives and we don't often think about, and that is one of a dietitian. Did you know that you're all dietitians? Yes, we're all dietitians, okay? Um, Just as we've been made aware of what we are eating, so too we must be aware of what we are studying. I recently heard in a podcast this concept uh, addressed as a theological dietitian. This really got me thinking. Uh, I know that I'm not the best dietitian when it comes to what I eat, and therefore I need help. So, too, I need help when it comes to what I study and am learning. This, again, is where I am thankful for our leadership and the care and intentionality that they have in considering what we study. This is something that I take very seriously as I consider the songs which we sing on Sunday morning. With this idea of theological dietitian in mind, let me share with you some concerns, as well as what I hope will be some practical points of application. Concerns. We live in a time where we do not lack for resources. We have so much available to us via the internet. Um, just, It's amazing to me what, what we have at our fingertips, um, the resources that we have. Some of those are good and some of those not so good. A dangerous thing to do is to Google, especially when it comes to medical things. Don't Google. It's very dangerous, okay? <laughs> but so some of the resources are good, some of them not so good. Uh, in terms of resources that would help us in our spiritual walk, uh, there are some resources where the gospel is very clear and others that are more focused on man and not on God. It is very important that we are aware of and give intentional thought to what we are studying or listening to. This is one of the key roles that I have as the one who puts songs before us and singing and worship. Our songs teach theology, and it is important that we are aware of what we are singing and listening to. Unfortunately, not everything that is labeled Christian is theologically accurate. I know that catches you by surprise, but we've got to be aware of that. Um, This can be a little touchy because I never want to come across as a theology snob. We need to be careful that we don't worship our theology, but theology is very important. Um, Paul admonishes us in 1 Timothy 4.16 to watch our life and to watch our doctrine We must be careful with our theological diet. This is where I strongly encourage you to be accountable with others with what you are studying. Again, this is why we need each other. And more importantly, we need the sound teaching of God's word, not our feelings, not our experiences, but the sound teaching of God's word. I like to vet what I study and read. And I use, uh, I like to utilize Justin and Landon for this, as well as other trusted resources. So use the body. Uh, I will provide some resources here in a moment, but use those resources available to us. When it comes to worship music, this can get really messy really quick. Okay, I'll just leave it at this right now. I'm not really a big fan of contemporary Christian radio, as what I hear are songs that are more focused on man, and what, uh, and rather than what. Uh, and what God can do for me, rather than on who God is. Um, This is where theological discernment is so important. I'm very intentional about the songs that I choose for our gatherings. I know that over the past year, I've introduced several new songs that I hope have served you well, and I will continue to do this as there are many great songs that I would love to teach us and I'm prayerful that will encourage you and encourage us as a body. But as a side note, Let me say this. I think it's very important that we do not lose sight of the many great hymns and songs of our faith that we have in our past. In fact, we had one of those this morning, and I'm so thankful uh, to Sarah for pulling that out. Tell me the story of Jesus. Um, That was not one that I grew up hearing, but it's a great hymn of of our past. And so I think it's very important that we not lose sight of that. These great hymns of our past should... Uh, They have and should continue to serve the church well throughout many years to come. I would uh, also challenge all of us, young and old alike, not to get stuck in an era. A thought in regards to this that I recently heard at the scene conference has been very helpful. So when you think of our hymnal, our hymnal has a great resource, right? Great hymns in there. But let's think about the hymnal as being a hymnal without a back cover meaning we're going to continually be adding to our hymnal, okay? Um, So we will continue to sing great hymns of faith, but we will also heed the instructions of the Psalms to sing to the Lord a new song. So with that in mind, I want to provide some resources that I have found helpful when it comes to theological diet. So some resources for theologically rich songs. Um, Keith and Kristen Getty, uh, Keith and Stuart Townend wrote the the song that we sing in Christ Alone. They've written a lot of great contemporary hymns, uh, many of which we've used. Uh, Matt Papa, Matt Boswell, they've uh, in fact uh, come adore the humble King, uh, which we sang this morning as a Matt uh, Boswell song. Uh, Shane and Shane, Sovereign Grace Music. Um, I led worship at a Sovereign Grace Church for many years, and that that, ha, that um, family of churches has served me well, and I, it continues to serve us well. And so, Sovereign Grace Music has some great things. Um, one that wasn't around when I was leading during that time was City of Light, and now that I've come, been exposed to City of Light, I absolutely love their music. Um, we've sung some of their songs, "Only a Holy God," um, "Christ is Mine Forevermore," just some some great, rich. Songs, Uh, So those are some great resources for you in regards to um, theologically rich songs. Some resources for study. Um, Obviously, this is not an exhaustive list. Um, There are things that we could add to most definitely this list. But uh, this is just a start. So the Gospel Coalition um, has some great resources. There's Desiring God. There's Nine Marks. There's Ligonier Ministries, which is R.C. Sproul and others um we i don't know if you know it but we have a book table uh, just down the hall with some great resources Um, so i would encourage you to take a look at those Um, new city catechism for those of you with young children i don't know if you're familiar with this but new city catechism um, catechism is a way to be able to teach and instruct um, and it's one that i didn't grow up with but uh, whenever i learned about a catechism. It has been very helpful for laying theological foundations. In fact, we referenced the Westminster Catechism. What's the first question? What is man's primary purpose? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So it helps us establish those things. So the New City Catechism uh, is actually an app that you can put on your phone, uh, and it takes you through the question, and it'll provide the answer. Uh, But it's a great way to to be grounded in the gospel and to, to learn theologically rich truths. There are various different reading plans um, as we um, begin to look at the new year and um, look at reading through the, hopefully reading through the Bible. One of the, maybe one of your goals would be to read through the Bible in a year. If you've never done that, I strongly encourage you to do that. Um, uh, but there are various different reading plans to help you with that. Uh, we would love to provide resources to, to be able to help you with that as well. Um, New Morning Mercies. uh, New Morning Mercies is a daily devotional by Trip. Been extremely helpful uh, to me. And and again, another great resource. And again, this list is not exhaustive, but just a good place to start. So let's let's consider the final uh, chapter of the grand story, Glory. Oh, come let us adore him. Uh, Where are not yet, becomes a reality, is in glory. We will be unencumbered by uh, the stain of sin. So I'd like to conclude by looking at Revelation 5, where the throne of heaven is revealed, and we hear our actions and proclamations that are made around the glorious throne. So hear the description of Revelation 5, verses 1 through 14. Then I saw on the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within it and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it and worshiped. Oh, come, let us adore him. How I long